The United Nations Statistics Division is marking its 50th anniversary this year. The division is a clearinghouse of sorts for global statistical information, while also working to develop shared norms and standards for statistical work. The work of the United Nations Statistics Division is the focus of this episode of Stats and Stories, where we explore the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics. I'm Rosemary Pennington. Stats and Stories is a production of Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism, and Film as well as the American Statistical Association. Joining me in the studio is regular panelist John Baylor, chair of Miami Statistics Department, Media, Journalism, and Films. Richard Campbell is away. Our guest today is Stefan Schweinfest, the director of the UN Statistics Division. He was appointed to that position in 2014, but has been with the division since 1989. Stefan, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you very much, Rosemary and John, for having me. So how do you explain to people outside the UN or even sort of outside the stats world what it is the stats division does? Well, well, again, thank you very much for having me and uh, and not being afraid of the United Nations or statistics. Well, (laughs) I I usually, when I have a dinner conversation, I say that I'm a statistician. I'm I'm watching the reaction very carefully. (laughs) And Uh, that ends the conversation frequently, right? (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. Then I have to switch the topic. I've come to the conclusion, actually, that I sometimes I say I work in information management. That sounds a lot more sexy to most people. (laughs) At least they give me a second chance to say what I'm doing. No, I mean, thanks. The UN, um, um, if I may, just a, a small clarification. We, you, you got that right with the 50th session of the Statistical Commission. But in fact, the statistics program on the in the United Nations goes back to the very beginning, to 1947. We had, at the beginning, uh, sessions only every two years. Mm-hmm. So that's why we have the 50th session now. But in total, we have already had 72 years mm-hmm of a statistics program at the United Nations. So very early on when the United Nations was created, they, they, they realized that it would be a good idea to have a statistics division somewhere that gathers information around for, from countries around the world so that we better understand our member states that make up the United Nations so that we understand um, how many people there are, what their level of development is. So the initial mandate of the statistics division of the United Nations was really to gather basic information. And that was originally mostly economic and demographic and social information. But in the meantime, it has grown a lot and, and, and it's been following the development agenda. And now we collect really information on from all 193 member states uh, on economics, environment, even uh, governance arrangements and, and so on and so forth. So it's it's quite interesting what we have here in our database at the UN over the last 70 years from almost 200 countries. So so how do the, the members use the information that you're collecting? I mean, what is what is the value of having a statistics division that's collecting such international data? Yeah. No, I think that the, 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 the value added that we provide is really sort of the, the comparability between data that is coming from countries around the world. So primarily, in the first step, we collect the information from the countries. We don't add anything. So that information is already available somewhere. But I mean, we are all putting it all together in, in, in big table, global tables, and so that you can compare between countries. But that is an important issue. The comparability is, of course, only ensured 
if we are all using the same methodology or put it differently, the same statistical language. And that is the second uh, big uh, job that we have, apart from collecting data simply, is to develop methodologies and guidelines and international global norms on how a census is to be conducted or how national accounts is compiled so that actually the data that are coming in from Paraguay or from the Central African Republic or from Myanmar are actually meaning the same thing so that we can literally communicate from one country to the other. So then these data can also be used in international discussions, for instance, by our General Assembly, when they have a development agenda, which is the situation that we have right now with the Sustainable Development Agenda. And they want to know how much progress have we made? I mean, do we need to pay attention to either particular groups of countries that are seemingly falling behind? or to particular sectors uh, of the development uh, spectrum where we are having more seem to have more difficulties than in others. So in that sense, our data are really supporting the policy dialogue that is taking, care, mm -hmm. is taking place at the United Nations and elsewhere. Of course, we're also producing the data not only for the UN, but for any citizen because we have them all on our website. So anybody who is interested can go there. Okay, let me follow up uh, and, and ask you to, to, to dive into a particular example. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, so this is, this is sort of this general description of what you're doing. Can you give an example of a particular variable that you're measuring in different countries? And, and it would be really interesting to hear about one that's, that's, that's difficult to define and difficult to measure in some consistent way. Okay, well, uh, let me be disobedient and start with an easy one. Okay. <laughs> Please do. It, it, it's compelling. I mean, the national account system was developed, on, and I mean, GDP now is universally um, uh, used and it means the same thing. And I once, I mean, I got a phone call just also to make the point that our data are not only for the politicians and so but it's also for the private sector and so i got from a company um, a u.s company that said that they are uh, considering investing in in southern africa and they wanted to have data all the economic data that we had for uh, 10 african countries where they considered uh, perhaps opening a plant and so so that was an interesting case where i thought we were servicing a sort of uh, also the private sector with our information because they wanted to have data on growth, on development, on trade, on the size of certain subsectors of the economy, how big is the oil sector, how big, how big is the agriculture sector, and so on and so forth. So all of that information you would find, and pretty comprehensively, because that's the type of information we have been collecting for over 50 years now. Um, newer indicators that are difficult to, more difficult is the whole spectrum of environmental indicators. Um, I mean, I mean, they, I mean, how do we measure air quality or, or biodiversity? Um, um, that uh, uh, has been developed over the last, let's say, 10 to 20 years. So there we are now at a point of great convergence. And then sort of the newest indicators are more the structural or institutional or governance indicators. So for instance, if you want to measure, uh, does a country have free press, if somebody asks mm. me that, and says how many free newspapers do they have or publications? Well, that's difficult to define because how do you really uh, measure that exactly? And so, 
So these are topics that are being increasingly discussed where we are still in the process of trying to develop the language so that it's mm -hmm. really meaningful to compare the information that we are getting from different countries. I was going to ask you how difficult it is to get, you know, 200 countries to all sort of ride together on agreement on sort of measures. Like, how do you how do you marshal this sort of interaction amongst countries to get them to agree on something like this? Yeah. No, it is, and it is very important that we all agree on that because, I mean, the United Nations doesn't have any power, I mean, to tell any country around the world to do anything. I mean, I right. think the, the only power that we have in the United Nations is what I call the convening power to invite mm -hmm. people around the table and say, let's all sit together, let's tell the stories of how you have tried to approach measuring that, what good and bad experiences have you made with that, and what could be a good way of, of making a recommendation how this could be measured globally. So we do have usually what we call expert consultations where we really invite the representatives from countries around the world and say, what have you done to measure gender equality? And then we, we, we make sort of an inventory of current practices, and then we try to move on to good practices or best practices. And then usually after a couple of years or so, we are talking long processes. I yeah. mean, the, uh, these, these are not things that happen overnight. Um, we usually get to an agreement and a recommendation, and most countries are quite willing to do that because it's in their interest also not only to develop their own measures where they can communicate within the country because, I mean, they also want to broadcast beyond their borders what is the situation in their country. Because there is international development aid, there is international agreements that they are part of, and, um, and, 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 and there's the private sector that also tries to understand and citizens around the world. And increasingly, there is also networks of civil society organizations that also want to understand where in which countries there is a particular need uh, where they could perhaps be particularly active and so on and so forth. It's been quite exciting, the diversification of users of in, in statistics over, the, over my lifetime here at the UN. You know, I, I like the slogan that, that that's associated with your your group. This this idea of better data, better lives, mm. and and I was wondering if, if you could talk about where that you know where that came from, and and if you could give examples of, of where you think that better data has led to to better lives and for the the members. Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember now. I mean, somebody <laughs> who had that brilliant idea of better. I mean, you, you know how this goes. You sit in a group of people together, and then some, everybody is throwing something on the table, and, and you, 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 but um, and you choose one, and then suddenly you have that moment uh, where you think that sounds really good. Um, and we've been using it for a couple of, of years now, but I mean, mostly the data that we collect is to support development. I mm -hmm. mean, sort of uh, uh, health programs and education programs and so on and so forth. And uh, so, I mean, uh, if you have information on, for instance, the number of schools in a particular country and uh, uh, beyond that, uh, one topic that has been becoming very relevant is the, the, the um, connection between statistical and geospatial information. So if in addition to having information on the total number of schools, you even have a map how these schools are 
distributed in the country because it makes a big difference whether all of your schools are just in the rich sector oh. of the capital or they are really distributed all over the country, including the rural areas. Then you can get a very good picture where you need to invest. I mean, that the government or the international community that may be actively supporting a country where they have to put their effort, I mean, to invest in schools, in, in infrastructure, or in the health sector, in, um, uh, in, in, in the campaigns, health campaigns, inoculation campaigns, and so on and so forth. There are numerous examples, I think, where having better information and, and being able to target, especially health and education interventions, um, have produced uh, tangible results, really, for rural communities in developing countries. You're listening to Stats and Stories, and today we're talking with Stefan Schweinfest, director of the United Nations Statistics Division. Uh, you were talking a lot about the development work um, that uh, you gather data for, and I know that um, a lot of times journalists will cover stories about sort of development projects the UN is involved with. What do you think are undercovered stories sort of sitting in the data that, that the UN is collecting that maybe reporters ought to be doing more digging into? Well, you're putting your finger on something uh, that is uh, that I sometimes feel a little bit frustrated about, and I'm also pointing to ourselves uh, as the culprits. I mean, we are usually, as statisticians, very concerned to get the numbers right, and we polish our numbers, and then we are very proud when they are coming out. Mm -hmm. and, and, and then there is, but then I always tell, say, this is not the end of the story. I mean, we need to use those numbers. A good number is, is only a used number, as you challenged me earlier to give you examples, how numbers really made the lives better by being used in a policy decision or uh, so I think journalists play in a, a really important role because they ha they are sort of um, um, they help us with the communication. They are intermediaries, and so they help us also to to dig out from their perspective of what they are interested in and the better understanding of the users. What are the interesting elements in all of those numbers that we are putting in our database? So I think. I regret sometimes that we do not have more interaction with journalists mm -hmm. that help us actually to bring out those stories. Now, with the sustainable development agenda, I mean, um, the universal focus has been on certain development goals that have now yeah. been agreed among the member states. So here, I think we are we are now developing a, a almost a culture of communication, which I'm very happy about, so that we are not only just churning out our numbers and then go home and feel good about that, mm -hmm. but that we also feel responsible of bringing those numbers to the people, um, helping together with the users and the journalists to reflect what is the story those numbers mm -hmm. tell. Mm -hmm. I mean, what does it mean that this number went up and down again, et cetera, and, and what can be done about it? So I think journalists are very, very important partners for us. But of course, sometimes we are living in a complicated world. Lots of numbers are flying around these days. And, and one important topic that is close to our heart is, of course, quality. Yeah, data, data quality is something that is very important because two numbers that are out there, they clearly don't necessarily mean the same thing. Right. Because one number may be a very rough estimate or that somebody came up with in their head, 
and another number is uh, the result of a very thorough statistical process where a survey was conducted and where we know that this number is really authoritatively reflecting uh, the situation out there. Mm -hmm. So what advice would you give a journalist who is sort of trying to dig through all this data um, from various sources as they're trying to write a story that is responsible? Um, how should they go about sort of making sure the data they're using is quality data? Well, I mean, one of the fundamentals is always, of course, is sourcing the information. I mean, I'm always a... Uh, um, uh, a little bit annoyed when I see numbers anywhere and I'm not seeing where that number is taken mm. from. So, yeah. I mean, that's the sort of number one rule of the game. And then the second thing I would say, I mean, is I think we need to all get into more of the habit of a dialogue with, mm -hmm. the, with, with the data owner or the data producer because the data custodian is a good, <laughs> is a good word. Um, because we we know how solid that number is, and I also know that not all numbers that we have in our UN database are equally solid. Not all countries are equal. Not all subject matters are equally developed. Um, sometimes a five really means something between 4.9 and 5.1, and on another page, a five may mean it's more between uh, uh, four and six, and so. It's, it's the people who have worked with the data, they know, they can explain a little bit sort of the confidence interval around those numbers. And that can then also, I think that needs to be communicated also to the users. And I have great confidence that people are quite capable to understand and digest nuances about numbers. They do that all the time in mm -hmm. their private life. I mean, uh, if if we all are told by the weather service that it's going to be 50 degrees out there, we will not sue them if it's 49. We understand <laughs> that that is an approximation and it sort of gives you a guidance of whether you need to grab a small or a big sweater. and. Uh, in, in with data, it's often the same. Some yeah. some are very precise, and others are more approximations. And I, I I I have great confidence that people can understand the difference. And just to follow up on that, I mean, how do you communicate some of the uncertainty? I mean, you're you're saying that some variables that you you all are reporting are have differing degrees of precision, and some of the data from certain countries have differing levels of you have different levels of confidence in the accuracy and precision of those those values. Mm -hmm. So so how do you how do you make sure that 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 message is is put forward? Oh, well, we have a very annoying way of doing that. <laughs> and they are called technical notes, which I, of course, know nobody reads. But, I mean, but, I mean that is basically the answer to your question, in a way. What, what also happens is if a country gives us information, we're getting government information, um, I have no right as a UN official to, to change that number. Also, mm. who am I in New York, even if I have a strong feeling that that number is not accurate, to impose my vision of the world? But what I can do is not publish the, the mm. number. I am under no obligation to pass that information on to the rest of the international community in a global table if we are not satisfied with the quality. And we go back, and, and, and the key word there is metadata. If we, we ask, how was that compiled? What, mm. what was the sample size? I mean, was the data only collected in the capital or also in the rural areas and so on and so forth? What was the time frame? 
mm-hmm. um, what was the coverage and so so we're asking all kinds of annoying questions and if we do not <laughs> if we do not get the answers we can decide that that number is not yet mature for international publication or we would have to put a serious footnotes where we say there were some questions that were not answered which is for the educated reader a bit of a warning sign that the confidence interval of that particular number is probably quite a bit bigger than on other countries. I'd like to follow up with, you you know, you've mentioned sustainable development a couple of times. Could you just describe generally what the sustainable development goals are and and what the UN is doing to work towards these objectives? Yeah, of course, that is in the development area is, I think, our big uh, common uh, topic right now. And I think I'm, in a way, relatively proud also of the United Nations that we have been able to reach that degree of agreement because, I mean, Everybody understands a little bit something different uh, under the big term development. But I mean, in a, in a rather extensive uh, negotiation process over two years, from 2013 to 2015, the community, uh, the international community here has agreed on, on, on a development agenda framework, and in particular, 17 particular goals that cover the areas of economic development, uh, social development, uh, environment, de- environmental development. And, um, and they have codified the, the, the goals that we, we are trying to reach as a global community by 2030. Uh, for instance, universal primary education mm-hmm. or gender equality. And then it's broken down in, in more specific targets. And then that is now uh, as an action agenda also uh, underpinned by 200, over 230 indicators that we are now trying to measure to help countries and the global community to actually understand whether we are making progress towards these uh, uh, goals and uh, targets. So which, which goal have, has there been the most progress on since this has been framed? Oh, well, I mean, one should say that, I mean, the sustainable development goals, they build on what was there before that were the millennium development Mm -hmm. goals. And that was a development agenda framework that had been agreed in 2000 and ran until 2015. And uh, so, I mean, we didn't quite start from scratch. There was sort of a, but that development agenda was much more, uh, reduced. There were only eight goals. We now moved to 17 goals. So it's a much more uh, comprehensive agenda, which also has more visionary targets like uh, uh, just and equitable societies, mm-hmm. and uh, which are noble visions. But it's it's not so easy to translate that into real concepts or measurable elements. And so, mm-hmm. but I would say the traditional area where we have been working, I mean, reducing uh, extreme poverty, uh, eliminating certain uh, diseases and so through uh, extensive campaigns like polio or, or, or malaria, reducing uh, the incidence of uh, malaria. And so there, I mean, very enormous progress has been made over the last, uh, let's say, two decades. And that can be very specifically measured and reflected and so on. Also, access to education I mean, everywhere around the world. So, Stefan, we certainly live in a moment when it seems like statistical information is in doubt. Um, 
uh, information from sort of official sources is often doubted. How how has this sort of growing skepticism sort of changed the way the UN is attempting to communicate about the the data it's collecting and 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 that it has available? Has it changed the way you sort of frame the work you do? Oh yes, it has. I think. Um, um... I, I mean, me personally, I learned a lot from my father, who was a, a marketing director, and he has always reminded me that um, I mean, it's not only the product and its quality; it's also the uh, the dissemination, the distribution, and the mm-hmm. connection with the user um, that is important for you to place uh, to successfully place your product. And I think that has taught me personally a lot. Uh, because I think previously, and I, uh, we statisticians, we were just satisfied. It was almost like a more scientific approach to produce a number, and then we did not really care so much. We didn't consider ourselves the public relations managers for our own numbers. Mm-hmm. And I think that has changed a lot. I think we feel a lot more responsible now to go out and actually also explain and defend our numbers. Uh, not just put them in, them in a database or in an international in a yearbook or something like that and let it stand there and just perhaps a little bit naively assume that we have done good and we have done our homework and it will automatically be re- rewarded. I think a lot more we are a lot more in the business of communicating our information and sometimes also criticizing other information because I mean it is a competitive place and I think if if there is, uh, I mean, we have something that is called the fundamental principles of official statistics, which is a kind of, uh, I sometimes call them the 10 commandments of good data and good information. I mean, this is something that's been around for 25 years. So this is nothing new. Uh, and it talks about, I mean, data have to be produced by the strictly scientific method methods and so on and so forth. So, and, and one of the principles also says that we have uh, uh, the right as statistical, statistical producers and perhaps even the obligation to comment on misuse of mm. information. Yeah. So if somebody takes our data and says, this means this and this and that, and it doesn't, then we do have an, an uh, really not only the right, actually almost the obligation to say no. That's yeah. that's an erroneous interpretation or a challenge the source of uh, uh, another data item in a political debate. I think that's an important contribution that we have to make, also to an educated uh, conversation in society. Stefan, we can hear hear a clear passion for what you do and and the work that, that the the UN statistics statistical division does. What what advice would you have for people that want to get involved in working in this world? You know, for for students or for others that that would love to be involved in in these types of official statistics, in particular the international applications of official statistics. No, I mean you you are right about that. I warned you before. <laughs> If you get me talking about these things, you have to find the stop or eject button. <laughs> now, I've, I've walked into this building 30, almost 30 years. This summer, I will have my 30th anniversary here. And I, I've really all learned a lot all along and always been passionate about this. I, of course, like international affairs. My father always accused me of uh, professional tourism. <laughs> but um, I've always, I loved languages. I studied in London and Paris uh, as a German. So, I mean, I was already uh, at, at that level very interested in, 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 in moving, getting out of my, my little village. 
And and in the course of my 30 years, uh, I've just sort of, uh, being a statistician, of course, I keep track. I've had the opportunity <laughs> to, to visit 112 countries. And I consider that really, I don't want to brag about it. It's really an enormous privilege. I've met so many wonderful people who are dedicated to producing numbers under the most difficult circumstances mm. where sometimes there's civil strife. When we think of a census, it's sort of a cute exercise. We send somebody an email or in the worst of all cases, we send somebody to knock on the door with a questionnaire and collect the information. But there are many, many millions of people that live in very difficult circumstances, remote areas or unsafe zones of the world. And there are people who work as statisticians around the world and they try to get that information. They try to do the best to keep uh, the, the scientific standards up and, and collect that information as, as best they can. And that's where I draw my real inspiration from. So, I mean, uh, it's been really a privilege. I entered the statistics division through what was then called the National Competitive Exam. So if you have a master's degree uh, in the area of statistics or economics or social science or related, you can take part in an international competitive exam. And, uh, and then I was lucky enough uh, to be offered a junior professional uh, position here in the statistical office in New York. And yes, this is where I've been uh, all my life. And I'm still annoying the people around <laughs> <in> here. <laughs> Well, Stefan, thank you so much for being here. That's all the time we have for this episode. It was a real pleasure to talk with you today. No, thank you very much for, for letting me talk about what, what really I enjoy to do every day of my life. Thanks, Stefan. Stats and Stories is a partnership between Miami University's Departments of Statistics and Media, Journalism and Film, as well as the American Statistical Association. You can follow us on Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or other places where you can find podcasts. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the program, send your email to statsandstories at miamioh.edu or check us out at statsandstories.net. And be sure to listen for future editions of Stats and Stories, where we discuss the statistics behind the stories and the stories behind the statistics.